0: Hello. Uh,
1: what, what are you doing here?
0: Uh, we don't ever do this. It's always weird when just you and I are talking. I we don't have a guest. Guys, this is our 10th episode. We made it. We made it. Oof! It's... I'm, I'm glad we can put this in the rear view and
1: just move on with our yeah, lives. Yeah, we're done. So that's it. 10 feels like a good stopping point. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a crazy milestone for us. I don't think we had any idea what it was going to be or how it was going to grow. And yeah, take that, haters who said we'd never make, <laughs> make it. it. Yeah, wouldn't, dad. Wouldn't make it to 10 <laughs> episodes. Uh, but we've, we've come this far and we couldn't do it without you guys. We actually wouldn't have done it without you guys because your encouragement and support is what's kept us going so often when we weren't sure if, if we were doing anything of value. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that we have launched a Patreon page, which some of you might be familiar with if you listen to people like The Liturgists. It's just a way to support artists on a monthly reoccurring basis. So we've launched that. We, You can donate whatever you're comfortable with or completely ignore it. It's just a way for our friends in our community who have constantly asked for ways to help support and grow the show to get involved and to make this a communal creation. In exchange for your
0: support, our commitment to you is we are going to be more disciplined and regimented about getting product out on a consistent basis. We want to produce the podcast more regularly, have set dates that are more regular, get more interviews uh, out to you guys faster, and overall just treating this more like uh, the
1: job that it could be and less like the hobby that it has been. (laughs) That's a perfect way to put it. And we just want to send a quick thanks uh, a bunch of people have already donated we sent it out to friends and family and we were uh so encouraged by the response by so many of you who decided to be super generous um we have now launched the page it's public for everyone to donate so just go to patreon.com slash the back pew um, and you can sign up today it's super super easy all right so that's it and uh before we get into this 10th episode we just want to thank everybody who helped us get this far um, through their hard work so joseph Pexen who created our lovely jingle thank you joe daniel bennett who helped create our logo and all of the episode graphics that you see now you're the best db uh mike wilt who did it before her who got us to the place where we could expand the show my man mikey steve ormsby for taking our promo photos in that lovely church
0: i don't have anything nice to say
1: about steve yeah And a huge thanks (laughs) No, I love you Steve, thanks for doing it man People love that photo, thank you so much You're the man Uh, And a huge thanks of course to all of our past guests And all you who continue to listen and share the back pew with your community Guys,
0: thank you so much Thank you for encouraging us and supporting us And uh, we are going to keep doing
1: it on our end You just keep tuning in Yep, alright, with that said, let's get into Staley Get into Staley? No Well, let's get into Staley We're going to have a conversation (laughs) Okay, here we go Lord make the script, Lord, me, me. Is. a is <laughs> oh, it him. back out of Can't be serious. That's some bullshit brother. Right the beginning, in fact, we thought that <laughs> clay clay clay. Oh, God. Bullshit. 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 It's it's like. You are not even real. It's
0: Light. So
2: you don't want to do like a, well, we're here in the studio with, or do you have like a, <laughs> like, a like a jangle? Our guy! Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> You're here with Colton Big Dan in the morning! Yeah. Yeah. Sunday, someday, someday, Ariana in the house! Um, we generally just like to start by uh, you just introducing yourself, whatever that means to you.
2: Hey everybody! I am Staley Monroe. Nice, thanks I for being am here. A, an artist, an advocate, and um, a uh, freelance actress and artist.
0: You're a Renaissance woman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do
2: it all, and I'm here to talk to you guys about. Uh,
0: We're talk about whatever comes up, honestly. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. That's not my... Oh boy. Oh,
2: I didn't oh, say it. Oh, here we go. I didn't say it, but. <laughs> Yeah, about what it's like to be a Christian transgender woman and living in 2017 and the the renaissance, as you mentioned, that's really happening in the, the body and in the mm-hmm. church um, as there's this realization, this awakening that LGBTQ people are not godless. Right. They yeah. were raised in the same churches. They know the same dogma and theology front and back right. that other people know and really getting back into the issues and the historical context about um, at what place in time in human history mm-hmm. and in civilization did these shifts towards you know the demonization of uh, or the um, you know the what's the what I'm looking for the, the,
0: the demonization the, the mm-hmm. demonizing yeah, okay. of
2: the LGBTQ people right. and even like when did monogamous gay loving affirming consensual relationships even start happening opening uh, you know so just a few
1: light topics yeah yeah yeah. Yeah,
2: we're just gonna kind of breeze over
0: these things yeah the first time i ever saw you was in the very front row of church like (laughs) hands up not the
2: back pew not
0: the back pew like the front as as far front as you can go and just like into it like praising jc hardcore (laughs) and it was like uh, it, you just don't see that often in the church yeah. you don't see you it, it was like do you you must feel like you're somewhat on the fringes of like both of these worlds oh yeah that you that you live in oh yeah, yeah. Um. so for me like that's just such an interesting Venn In-pass. diagram that you live in the sure. middle of
2: well I mean I think that being transgender is a very interesting intersection that you live in and um, anyone who is a human being has a transition experience of, of one nature or another. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, for some people, it's political when they, they you know, become divergent to the family teachings or the family beliefs and, God forbid, vote for Hillary Clinton or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, God save us. to <laughs> a change in career, to a change in, you know, maybe people were married or with someone for 10 years and that's mm-hmm. no longer true. There, there are just these human experiences that can always fall under fall into the category of transitioning and for mine that happened to be gender and has a um has biological and medical and social ramifications on a lot of different levels Mm -hmm. um but you know do you ever really choose to be transgender I don't think so at all I don't think that being transgender is a choice Mm -hmm. and um I don't believe that being gay is a choice Mm -hmm. um I do believe it's a choice to be a believer and to be a Christian yeah you know and um and people seem to always get that mixed up, you know, to get that confused. But, um,
0: I being th- in church, go ahead. You know, you first, I interrupted, excuse okay. me. Well,
2: but, and it's interesting you should say that because being in church for me, you know, was almost never a safe place, mm-hmm. but, um, I always knew that there were good things there that I needed. And I was saved at a very early age and you know, never stopped pursuing God. and it was actually my getting to a place and allowing God to be a part of my transition that really saved my faith mm-hmm. and prevented me from like kind of throwing it all away and being like, oh, I just I can't take the double standards and the pain and the and this pervasive ambient. Um, disapproval of my very existence and this uncomfortableness mm. of people giving themselves a pat on the back to e- to even accept me to the barbecue, yeah, totally. or to be kind to me because it was this like Christian environment. You see, and-
1: what, you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> brought her brought her to the barbecue. Guys. Yeah, good work, <laughs> good work. Right, oh, like man. oh, you're so noble because
2: you become like the, the token trans person. Yeah, and um, that everyone is like, well, you know, is she is she your case file or is she mine? You know, like mm. do we do we do, do we let her go to the women's like Bible study? This mm-hmm. is Weird. Um, and if I had a dime for every person who told me I'm, I'm the first or only transgender person that they ever met, let alone have any mm-hmm. level of relational equity with, yeah. you know, I could buy us all dinner at Red, Lo- red Lobster, you know? Oh, goodness. Oh, a dead. Red Lobster? Fun <laughs> <Bud laughs> Rockers. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> so, um, I know what we're doing
2: after this podcast.
0: <laughs> I haven't been a Red Lobster trim. in a minute. <laughs> and um, I, but I think that uh, that's
2: so important to realize. Like, you're saying, oh, you just don't see that every day. And maybe you do, because we have no idea how many transgender people are
0: really out there. That's a good point. Yep.
2: Um, because uh, I think that... For a very long time, even in the millions, there are people because politically everyone wants to kind of throw this very small number oh relatively speaking you know the transgender population in the u.s alone is just you know it's so minimal like why do we have these bathroom issues or you know why are we making this case for this itty bitty minority group of people and there's really no surefire way to say to how many there are Mm -hmm. because for for decades and decades and decades i mean transgender people have always been here Mm -hmm. throughout every culture and the goal is to assimilate into the cis normative society as seamlessly as possible and many just start whole new lives. Yeah. So they yeah. are your coworkers and they are your colleagues and they are your friends and they may be the person serving you your communion at church and you have no idea that they're actually transgender.
0: And I, I think it's interesting that there is this kind of there's there's this sense that like, oh well, all of a sudden now there are transgendered people. Like like all of a sudden they mm-hmm. they want rights, all of it it's like they just came out of because because you look back like even a few years, a few decades, a few generations, and they're like, "Where are they? And it's like probably just miserable, probably just quietly <laughs> many sadly quietly living suffering. their lives yep. many,
2: many are very much suffering. I want to give a quick uh, just re re what do you call it uh, just a Re-fab- reintroduction okay, yeah okay. that um in terms of uh. Terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always say that transgender people. There's mm-hmm. no transgendered, gotcha. okay. like the ed. Okay. Okay. Um, there's they're transgender people, okay. or trans women or trans men. Got you can it. say, and um, you know, it's always good to whenever you're interacting with a trans person you know to just be cool enough to be like hey what are your PGPs Mm -hmm. which are um, preferred gender pronouns Mm -hmm. and uh, you just never know some of the most attractive men I've ever laid eyes on were trans men Hmm. you know and some most beautiful women you could ever meet are trans women so Uh it's always uh, but then there are other people that are earlier in their transition or in a different place right? and so if you're ever kind of uh, feeling a little ambiguous or a little uncomfortable to make yourself comfortable, they'll be 99.9% of trans people will not have a problem with you just being like, I just want to be respectful and cool. What are your PGPs? Mm-hmm. And just be real, real cool about it. Yeah, and throw like, throw oh, acronym
1: out there. To right. And so like, I
2: said, so, so mine are she, her, hers. Gotcha. Just mm-hmm. like, and I, I, mean, I assume you guys are his, him, his. You
1: know, right, so you know yeah. yeah
2: saying, oh, you know <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it <that> funny <laughs> to actually be asked that? And hey, like, yeah,
1: oh, it cool. is. Just I that think, you even have that. Um, um, I think before this even starts where I'm like pre apologize for the stuff I or Dan might ask, that's not like uh, oh. in line with what you're just saying, like the PGPs and the proper things. I feel like we're going to have to like step on some minds. Feel free to
0: correct us on anything, because by correcting us, you will be helping people who happen to listen. I
2: appreciate that. We will yeah. take
0: these bullets for you, yeah, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Barely 10 minutes in and a straight white man botches a term in a highly sensitive conversation. Ain't that typical. Staley is a true gem, and a wonderful friend, so she handled my verbal no-no with grace in class and kindly corrected and educated me. Didn't change the fact that I felt embarrassed, silly, and worried that I had offended my friend, or perhaps even one of you out there tuning in. I imagine that fear of saying something wrong or sounding ignorant is not unique to me, but in order for all of us to progress, we will need to be comfortable learning, which can sometimes be an awkward process. Staley will touch on this later, but it should never be the job of a minority group to educate members of the power class, especially when we all have handheld compendiums of information that make the Library of Alexandria look like a freshman bookshelf. So, in order to serve as an intermediary between members of a community who are probably good and tired of explaining themselves, and more privileged class members who don't face discrimination frequently, what up my brothers, I decided to do a little homework. First, let's discuss some terminology. Staley touches on this later as well, but for clarity, if you are like me and that you jive with the gender that you were assigned at birth, such as me being assigned male and me being down with that, you are cisgender. The cis comes from a Latin term meaning on the side of, or some such sentiment. So cisgender men and women can then be straight, gay, lesbian, bi, pansexual, or asexual. This is sexual orientation, or the direction in which our sexual desires are drawn. Our sexual orientation is separate from our gender identity. I've heard it stated numerous times, sexual orientation is who you go to bed with, and gender identity is who you go to bed as. A transgender person identifies with a gender that was not necessarily assigned to them at birth, and is rooted in the understanding that gender is more than just genitals, which really tend to get all the attention when a baby is born. It's a boy, or it's a girl. But then, that reduces a person's entire gender into a single organ which may be a little bit reductive considering how many ways chromosomes can get organized and how many cocktails of hormones our bodies can stir up. Transgender is an umbrella term used to describe any persons whose sense of gender transcends that of the gender assigned to them and sometimes includes those who are gender nonconforming or non-binary. Being gender nonconforming or non-binary does not make someone transgender or vice versa. They are self-appointed labels for people who do not feel comfortable ascribing to traditional gender assignments and are best left to those individuals to refer to themselves. Staley tends to use the shorthand trans, which is generally accepted by most transgender people. A trans woman identifies as a woman, having been assigned differently, and a trans man identifies as a man, having been assigned differently. A trans woman interested in men would be straight in terms of their sexual orientation. A trans man interested in men is gay. Neither crossdressers or drag queens are trans women, and the two should not be confused, as both are forms of self expression, not as gender identity. A hermaphrodite is a person biologically born with reproductive elements that are both male and female, and does not necessarily equate to being transgender. The term transvestite is antiquated and was used to refer to crossdressers, but really has no place in modern parlance. Transsexual is also an outdated term, but was strictly used in regards to individuals who have undergone surgery or medical treatment to reassign gender. Unless an individual uses that term, there's no need to bring it up. Always use a trans person's chosen name when referring to them. Using the name assigned to them at birth is known as deadnaming and is considered deeply offensive, even if you knew the individual by a different name at a different time. Make the adjustment, I promise, you can do this. Tranny is short for transmission, and is a portion of a car's engine block responsible for gear shifting. Make sure you check its fluid regularly, and using that term for anything else is seriously pretty fucked up. This is generally the point in the conversation when terms like PC, snowflake, and tard start getting thrown around. Why get so hung up on the language and proper terminology? You may have noticed by this point, if you've listened to a few episodes, that I am a pretty big stickler on the power of language. I believe language is important because it forms the way we think, and the way we think creates our future. We live in a world where members of the trans community are treated as so entirely other or insignificant that they have no right to determine how they are referred to or discussed. These small linguistic nuances, such as the mistake I made making trans a verb describing an action as opposed to an adjective describing a person, are the terminological barriers keeping trans men and women from being seen as regular members of society. When we use language that associates their experience with a condition, a choice, or an activity, rather than a part of their personage, we make it easier to consider them as other. When any people group is treated as other, they can be diminished, ridiculed, and attacked. The way we speak about people changes the way we think about people. Attempting to adopt a more PC vocabulary is not simply about trying to not hurt anyone's feelings. It is about learning to value the humanity of another person even when we cannot personally relate to their experience. Most of the hatred and fear brought against the transgender community is a result of patriarchal society that establishes clear boundaries between men and women and establishes a hierarchy in which men rule. The world is slowly changing and the history of the patriarchy in western society is being challenged and eventually it will shift indefinitely. The future is female or so the slogan goes. I don't disagree with that. I think the obvious historical pendulum swing will result in a future that is dominated by female empowerment. I think that's excellent. My hope, though, is that as men learn that their masculinity does not need to be tied to power and gender roles, and as women fill spaces they have traditionally been barred from, the future will bear an equality that is both male and female. Equal, fluid, and transcendent of gender divides. Maybe the future is trans. So we should start learning how to discuss it.
1: Um, I have, I wonder, part of what I, I have like so many questions about it, Now, I'll try to avoid like all the stereotypical ones, but I wonder what you think about if gender roles weren't so hard and fast in the world, if people would want to transition as much to like swiping, swapping yeah. genitals, if the gender roles were free you could do whatever there was no yeah. pink for girls and blue for boys oh
2: 100 i often thought when i was growing up how much i you know growing up even though i was being raised like this young man and i it just felt like this consistent never-ending in my every waking moment was just this contradiction um and so imagine if you will if you know you were on the bus, off to school, and from the minute you stepped on, you know, all the girls were like, come sit with us, and they were putting, Mm -hmm. you know, makeup on you, and all they wanted to talk about was boys, and then when you got to school, it was gym time, and you had to go into the girls' locker room, as you are now, Mm -hmm. how uncomfortable you would be, or how, you know, Mm -hmm. some people have pink or blue or green hair, and that's kind of cool for them, but if I just put, if I was like, oh, I'm going to dye your hair blue now, and you have to wear it like this, and or, or here's black nail polish, or you'd be like... Yeah, this isn't really me though. You know, this isn't really my look, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, and cuz this label is slapped on you from the minute you're born based on your genitalia and every decision about you for the next like 18, mm. 21 years of your life. Yeah. You know, revolves around that you know that very decision um which i think just to that point is fine when um you know a child looks a certain way coming out that's totally fine for parents to go with you know yeah. the gender that is that is assigned there um, based on the anatomy it's it's when that child starts expressing very real symptoms of being transgender and saying yeah. hey this isn't me that's just when the bells need to, need to start ringing um so i don't sure. want, i don't want anyone to feel bad that like their kid was born
1: right you know yeah, no, it's a male or woman
2: and they just went with that that's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that
1: and do you think if that was different yeah they wouldn't do this well i
2: often thought about if i could wear high heels you know as a boy would that make me happy and immediately no i was like if women weren't wearing high heels and if these you know typically ascribed feminine Mm -hmm. things if anyone could wear heels, I was like, well, would that make me happy because then I could wear I could do all these fun things that I'm sure. craving to do right uh, and I could still be a boy so would that make everybody happy and that paradox was just like as as a child I'm thinking about this like yeah. ten eleven twelve years old I've had this conversation with myself yeah. and it was like no because then it's not Then I'm the the fundamental issue that I knew what was wrong is that there was a that there was um a dissonance between the way that my gonads and my body was developing and the way that my mind was tracking and the Mm -hmm. way that I was thinking was tracking and the way that I was feeling and behaving
1: was tracking. So there was a deeper mental connection to the actual gonads development and your mental state of being outside of what the gender role was telling you. 100%. And
2: that's, yeah, and that's actually scientific. Yeah. And uh, they, it's called the brain sex theory. And I hope that everyone listening, you know, takes the time to Google it and really...
1: I think there's going to be a lot of Googling. Yeah. Yeah. Happens. And yeah. the cool
2: thing, well, no, it actually was um, coined by a Christian psychologist mm-hmm. who specializes in transgender studies and physiology uh-huh. and, and psychology and um, recognized that there there is medically, you can, documentable evidence In transgender people that the brain tracks towards the opposite gender that the gonads are developing and they do have a way now to Mm -hmm. to cite that and to find that Um, and originally it was through behavior and that but that behavior had a chemical physiological reasoning behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it, it's not like you just, oh, well, this child had a controlling mother or an absent father. And mm-hmm. so, right. Because they tried to do that same shit for mm-hmm. LGBTQ, yeah. it, for for queer people, mm-hmm. saying, oh, but that's not true. There are lots of masculine, tough guys out there who had a great father and a stable mother and lots of great male influences who still are gay as a kite. Mm-hmm. You know, for <laughs> I didn't think kites were
1: that so to me, the, answer but... your question, no, I, I,
2: I don't think that if... Gender norms and reinforced gender roles were somehow more, you know, Great colorful, open, yeah. more open, that that would ever change the physiology of a transgender person. I think, yeah, I think you're born trans and you still want to have
1: breasts, you'd still want to do all these things. Oh,
2: what a heartbeat, yeah, my, oh my god, yes, yeah,
1: so fascinating. You know. I think, um.
0: You, you say you were starting to think through these really complicated issues at an age when I was still just trying to remember when DuckTales was coming on. So, like, I you're, like, working show. through. <laughs> oh, yeah, you grew up real quick. You're, like, working through in, intensely difficult things. Um, what is, like, uh, I don't know your story at all. I'm really interested in your story. Um, at what age did you start Actively experiencing and thinking about these things. What are your yeah. earliest memories of starting to up Well, like
2: that this? is the answer. My very earliest memories. I I wanted to dress up in my sister Cinderella plastic high heels from Walmart. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with Glinda the Good Witch from the Wizard of Oz, which my father should not have let me watch at the age <laughs> of like four years old. Um, terrifying, you know? Oh that. my God, yeah. those monkeys! And I um, have seen Christmas videotapes of me coming down the steps because back in the day, because I'm ancient at 31 years old we oh would, man i know right uh, we, we gotta so cancel the podcast California. we gotta, we, gotta yeah, cancel the podcast. So we had no
0: idea we right? had no idea my
2: time is short uh they would set out the christmas gifts and decorate the tree on christmas eve night so the house was not decorated for christmas there were no there's no tree anything hmm. until after we went to bed and then mom and dad would stay up all night and like actually build the Lego playsets and and take the dolls out of the box and you know fill the toy oh room with these beautiful oh, displays. Holy yeah, crap. my mother was a very prominent art director at Lazarus, and I think her uh. visual merchandising really came alive. <laughs> wow. So when we come and there's video of me running down the steps with my dad's you know like 1989 camcorder and i make a beeline i run down my eyes are bright and i'm like oh and we inhale and i make a beeline for my sister's dolls you know yeah. at, at like three mm. years old it's just there's no there's no odds for that mm, Yeah. like what is it in this three-year-old's mind mm. that everything about my development i mean what i, I had an absentee father through yeah. the first three years of my life like no right you know, well my, it, sa-
0: it sounds like it's it sounds like uh Sounds like it's like a great family dynamic. I mean, like, is is that... At the time, well, my parents
2: didn't divorce until I was seven. Okay. And, uh, which is still, Mm -hmm. you know, very early age. But I was manifesting all kinds of um, documentable uh, trans symptoms right off the bat. And I wanted very much to... I mean, like you hear my father's discomfort in the video. Hmm. You hear my yeah. mom trying to justify it, knowing that she's on camera. Like, oh, he just likes the baby. Yeah. He just wants to be with the baby. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. Just like colorful things. Yeah. But I was like. Twirling, honey. I was. Yeah. It was like RuPaul's Drag. So I was living. Come
0: down the stairs with a sachet. I did, and my <laughs> and
2: those plastic ruby slipper flip flops. I I was all about it. So my earliest memories. Um, I, I I have no memory of ever being at peace with being a guy, and I have I have no memory ever of um feeling gay I never identified once my entire life as gay even though I was probably called a faggot and I mean trigger warning you know for listeners but even though I was belittled and made fun of and um, and I mean there even my bullies picked up that there was something deeper than being gay there because there was a sexual tension with a lot of my bullies that was mm. deeper than just the mm. homo homophobic kind of homoerotic nature of the dominant yeah. bullied you know afraid effeminate boy mm-hmm. I was um, there. there was a Very real. I mean, I I can, I have memories of bullies referring to me in the female pronoun like by mistake yeah. like she just i mean i mean he just yeah and they didn't even mean to mm-hmm. things like that where i mean grown men being very confused mm-hmm. that i was in the men's restroom as a little boy as like the water boy on a football team you know in middle school mm-hmm. um because of course i wasn't <laughs> gonna be on the
0: team
2: <laughs> and and just and this like kind of double take they would do and i had short little boy brown hair like or had a baseball cap on so it's just really interesting things that i think even on some natural level um, whether, whether, or maybe even spiritual level, people just would recognize that there was really something different about this kid. So I never identify. And I, it, through all my years of saying that I was a straight white Republican man, you know, just this like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. internally that, cause I, that was more true. Cause at least the straight part was true. That was more true than being a gay man, which I, you know, I think a lot of people wanted me to be, that was somehow easier for them to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I wasn't a gay man I never did ident- I was just I was just a girl I was just yeah. a normal girl I wanted to be a princess I liked cute boys but I didn't feel gay at all and so that I mean it, we'll talk about being in a in a fringe inner right. like, weird intersection because mm-hmm. I I was on the fringe of the gay mm-hmm. community and the very conservative normative yeah. Christian yeah. community and I found this genderqueer gothic pretty boy anime um, Adonis kind of vibe for a minute that kept me alive through college and high school. But then several years after just that, that couldn't even yeah.
0: hold it up anymore. So you were uh, trying to exist as a gay man for a time? Never. Uh, okay. that was I, never. I
2: never identified as a gay man. Okay. And that was, that was my truth. Mm-hmm. And that was real. Even though I was attracted to men, you know, I never dated. I never. Oh um, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I'll blow your mind. I lost my virginity uh, at 30. to my current boyfriend Mm. which is not some amazing testament to my like modesty no i was so uncomfortable with my body yeah i wasn't gonna let anyone see like i didn't wanna i mean i i won't say i didn't fool around i mean like i'm you know i was sure i was not naive to other ways of getting myself or other people off but i never allowed that full nudity access i was this lithe thing. At uh, 5'11", I weighed 127 pounds. So there isn't a girl out there with more right. rule, more curves than a ruler, if those are her proportions. So I think that people... <laughs> I was just very confusing to some people, and, um, and I... I'm no longer confusing to people now. I don't get clocked, if mm. is the term that we use. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, she's clocked. What does that mean? It means that... It's where people be like, that's a man, you know, Mm. that's a man in a dress. That's mm. a dude. Yeah. I don't get clocked anymore. Um, I'm I'm lucky, you know, to that end. And I'm and I'm privileged because I also have white privilege. I also have education privilege. And um, even though, you know, we were raised poor, I, you know, we knew how to dress and all that. So I've had... Great opportunities my whole life that have kind of kept me in this much safer space mm-hmm. than a lot of my, you know, trans women of color sisters yeah. or people of color um, uh, in general. So that's, you know, been a good thing. Right. Um, it also comes with its own complications because a lot of times those circles are these bougie, conservative, awful, like hateful people just in a more dignified tone. Right. You know, which can right. be just as abusive.
0: Did uh, are you growing up in a religious home? Are your parents very much so? Yeah, my
2: um my mother more so than my father. Um, you know my mom really tried to make it work for seven years with my dad. I you know have no resentment for her getting out. My father was a porn star. He was a sex addict. Wow, remains one. Yeah, it was really interesting. I need to make this a longer. Wow, Uh, in that you know people. I think that a lot of. Uh, conservative, and I'm, I'm never trying to hijack the conversation, but there's a lot I want to say, too. No, please. I think go, that the, floor, of, the floor you is yours. Oh, yeah. thank you, yeah, yeah. I do think that there are a lot of Christians that want to search for sexual brokenness in the family to create some sort of prophetic or... A uh, hyper spiritual atmosphere around you that conditioned you to be this way that you are. Yeah. Because they're looking for reasons to excuse your existence hmm. or to justify why you wound up that way and what alternative course there needs to be to swing you back around to God's original intent, you know, intent or yeah, purpose yeah. for your life. Because you're living in sin and you're not walking in the fullness of God's design for your life and rah, 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 which I think is a load of horseshit. Um, so th- the fact that my, um, my upbringing was very religious and, uh, w- Had wonderful perks to it too because I still learned the word Mm -hmm. I still learned Greek and Hebrew and um, I I don't think any church out there is perfect some certainly do get it much more correct or or better than others Mm -hmm. and others are far more damaging and horrible than some but I uh, my memories of my faith and my upbringing um At the time were wonderful Mm -hmm. and i loved the people around me who i think were very well meaning and i have have no resentment towards them whatsoever because they were doing the best that they ever could because remember again i hear constantly in 2017 that i am the only trans person these people even know Mm -hmm. you know they don't they don't know anybody else right um they can be like Caitlyn jenner right you know Mm -hmm. that's it Mm -hmm. and that is so not fair that is so not right for the you know people who've been trans for you know um decades and decades and have been fighting Mm -hmm. for Acceptance and normality in society, but um, going back to being raised mm. in this conservative, religious, Christian home, um, it's, I think it actually still prepared me to enter transition um, in, in the healthiest place I possibly could. Mm. We all have to get kind of unfucked up. You know, there, yeah. there are aspects of how we are raised or um, things that our parents do, even with the best of intentions, that we have to process through. Yeah. You know, and recognize that that was their own brokenness, um, but. If you're looking for a reason to excuse why someone is trying to, oh, well, you know, their parent was a right. porn star. Yeah, so right. clearly there was all this sexual brokenness in the house. But um, that did not yeah. that never touched me um, mm-hmm. in a like implicitly damaging way, because I didn't even know until I was, you know, an adult until I was like, I think, t- like 25 years old is when I even found out.
1: How do you relate to then uh, with God as a father, as a narrative, like well, highly gendered language? Yeah. Is all male?
2: Well, did you know that, that the Holy Spirit is actually referred to in the female pronoun, Sophia?
1: Uh, <laughs> the wisdom.
2: Well, I uh, yeah, but I'm the in ancient Jewish Jewish text and in a lot of the original man, manuscripts of the Bible is based on the Holy Spirit is referred to in the female pronoun. Um, it's not he, it's her,
1: and it's not him, it's she. So, do you see the, the Holy Spirit as female?
2: Absolutely, because I think that the Father and Son and Holy Spirit are the epitome of relationship Mm. and that's what they've always reflected since the dawn of creation is the family and it's it's it is the fundamental unit of relationship it's the father it's the mother and it's the child and that is Mm. that is the whole pl- it's it's not this all male, which yeah. would look more gay anyway. Yeah. you know, oh, like, yeah, by yeah, the yeah. way, or <laughs> yeah. at least very egotistical. But it's father, son, and, and Holy Spirit, who is the
1: the mother heart of God. It's the nurturer. It's the connector. So what about that? What about someone who's gay with two dads looking at that same paradigm though? How would they look at a father mother being the? A...
2: I think everything else in society would. I like. I think that they still have plenty representation of a heterosexual uh you know situation there where they would they still have the presence of a father mother exemplified everywhere else that they look Mm. and i think they would more readily recognize in the early age that they are the minority or that something is different about their family unit
1: does that make sense yeah i'm just always trying to bridge gaps for understanding god in a way that doesn't reflect what you experience or what you feel well surely so like if you were like i have I have two moms, and then everything is like, oh, husband and wife and a son is the yeah. trinity. That that now that paradigm doesn't work for me. Well, except
2: for things are not all father and wife with the trinity, mm-hmm. and that's I think part of the problem. You know, and yeah. I, I think that if we had a correct understanding of the trinity. Uh, and and we're doing things right if you will and it was this like idealistic situation where everything flowed out of that correctly there wouldn't be as much of a problem with two dads raising a kid there wouldn't Mm. be a problem with whether it was my mom or dad or whatever else i do think that the original concept of family with um with the holy spirit being female plays a great deal into the the mind-blowing theory that you know adam was created hermaphroditic because you have to have a scientific explanation for why hermaphroditic people exist in this world Mm -hmm. they're not just a random anomaly that happens in a a petri dish or because of a nuclear explosion people have been born with both reproducting uh, or with both reproductive parts for since forever yeah mm-hmm. and there are people who are have dual chromosomes or XXYY. there are people born with uh, maybe a functioning penis and functioning breasts mm-hmm. so what's the of what? both so follow me yeah. so if god says let us plural make man in our plural image mm-hmm. and that plurality is father mother, child, there's a female representation. So the Godhead makes man on the sixth day and you have to have a scientific explanation for hermaphroditic people who are born with both who are born with both parts. He was made complete. Like, there was absolutely nothing about Adam that was lacking anything. So this is my theory, is that he was created hermaphroditic. And then when God looked at that and said, but you have no partner, because he was made in God's image. And right. God is everything that is good about being female. He is everything that is good about being male. Mm-hmm. You know, God is not limited to, to a big ball sack in the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, no. he's not, he's, he, is a, he is a demon. Thank God.
0: That would, I'd be so out. Yeah, out. <laughs>
2: he is not, you know, it's, he, it's, he's not a man that he should lie. The word says so my theory is that then when god took the rib or as many documents say the side or the part of adam to make eve i think that he then took those parts out of the originally hermaphroditic adam and made eve and that's why when he says oh my god bone of my bone flesh of my flesh and for this reason a man shall cleave to his leave his mother and father's household Mm -hmm. and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one which is as god is one in this in this Hmm. trinity of of father mother and child so that's my kind of explanation for well where did hermaphroditic people come from i think god created them i think they are that was the original man and even even possibly part of the original design but then god took those female parts out of adam and so to me god was the first transgender surgeon like to me god was the first person who correctly medically in terms of identity took a female and even if you don't think that adam was was even if you don't believe that adam was hermaphroditic upon original creation, God still made a woman come Mm -hmm. out of the physical body parts of a man. Mm -hmm. So if you let that paradigm sink in, how can you say that God's not okay with someone correctly, medically in a, in a happy, whole, secure identity based in salvation at Calvary transitioning their gender? How can you say there isn't because he was the first one to do that. He was the first one to make a woman out of a man.
1: I think the thing that people always get hung up in where my mind goes too, is like, well, what's the point of having different genders, if the two opposite genders aren't supposed to come together and be one, All this the is time. where people like this is where people like have issue with homosexuality. Oh, I sure. think almost more than transgender, because you're like you're still dating a man that feels natural. Well,
2: they want to make it anatomical and they want to yeah. glorify genitals to this place of it, that they are one of the one of the. Formal sacred categories, yeah. you know that you can, that this this is something you can never change. This is a matter of eternal security and salvation. Is like the genitals, yeah. and we don't see that exhibited anywhere in Scripture except for in circumcision, which the whole New Testament is like not about anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was radical that Paul would even say the same man who like went in on oh they were given over to their sinful lust and which is a whole that's explained so beautifully by the way in in Matthew Vines's book God and the Gay Christian. Uh, it also addresses that the same man also said there's now neither Greek nor Jew slave nor free man nor woman he was addressing ethnic issues and social issues and gender norms and that was a very big deal so um, when you look at people who want to just fundamentally about the LGBTQ issue, make it about there. It just ain't natural, you know. You got a hole and you got a pole, and one clicks, and that's how that works.
1: 7X, it always comes out in almost I every. Get, <laughs> ever I get. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. There,
0: have. there is yeah, some no, like no, there's no, there is no, a super progressive Southern Christian right now who's like you know like, some of us are on your side. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love them too. I know some of the what is that the, the liberal Look, redneck? Just, yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite I people. Love him. Trey Crowder is Please. such a gift, he's man. Beautiful. No so oh, again
2: when you want to glorify genitalia to that level of the sacred you're, you're missing the entire identity of God of Elohim he who is yeah. both like he who is like neither Jew nor, nor Greek nor Gentile um, and who is neither slave nor free nor man nor woman but all are Christ like you're taking your yeah. eyes off Christ and looking at genitalia so I think that that's idolatry on one end and also to make it um, that is it, it, there's a whole chapter in the book right. that is that addresses that theory of well then if it is about that then what happens if a woman can't bear children or what if a man loses his balls at war or is castrated Mm -hmm. or chooses celibacy what is the gift of celibacy even about if the genitals are sacred are Mm -hmm. they not sacred in the case of that gift of celibacy which god gives anyway so that would be in contradiction to his original design if that's what you're going with it is so nuanced and so there's so many moving parts to that Mm -hmm. that people want a quick blanket issue that whole pull done you know, yeah, that's that's what's natural. That's how that works. But we don't see that exhibited in science. We don't see that in the natural, and even in the animal kingdom, where where there are all kinds of species of animals that can change naturally the way God created them. They change their genitalia entirely, right. and their gender changes completely.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and that's like that's important. God made that clownfish, right. Where that happens. We're, we're like
1: really okay with variety in different areas. I think one of the commentators I read, who's a homosexual Christian, he talks about the variety of Adam and Eve and their eye color. Hmm. like percent. Oh, if, if they were born with brown and blue eyes, where do we get green? Where 100%. We get gray, where, like, I a did a spectrum.
2: painting. Yeah, I did a painting in, yeah. for Bible class as extra credit in middle awesome. school. And I thought about that and they were both like 35 feet tall. Mm-hmm. I think Adam was like 47 feet tall. Yeah. And Adam had skin like diamond. Like actual diamond. Like, like he was Twilight like this... Version, like
0: Twilight uh, version? Yeah. yeah. Well, no. I mean
2: like diamond. Oh. And oh. his eyes were like um were like fire red and his hair was just like white blonde gold. Yeah. And Eve uh, was the weirdest shade of like gray taupey dark mm. brown and her hair was like natural like this burgundy purple gradient because you know? I thought like what sort of avatar looking people yeah. were these people who were designed to exist for eternity who were designed to never age who were designed to not encounter any toxins or evil in this, you know these right. original beings made in God's image without under, under no influence of sin or death or the fall or the ramifications thereof in which I think there's an argument even for that like we live in the fall. Like mm-hmm. I don't think that God intends for people who are born blind or born autistic that that is necessarily yeah. his perfect divine will for them. I think God can be glorified through any situation, but there's still free will. We still live under the fall. There are these consequences of sin in this world that you can't say, well that's just how God made them. You know that's just yeah. how, how God wanted it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So so again, Adam and Eve might have looked like I mean you have to have a chrom- or you have to have a, a de- genetic, DNA, scientifically accurate answer for why the variety in people that exists do.
1: Yeah. Including hermaphrodite I think, I think people honestly people would say, well, there's sin in the world and sin breaks gender it makes you come out like a hermaphrodite or beach that's that to me i would could hear a thousand yeah it's the same it's the same
0: like the justification of like trying to excuse homosexuality or not excuse but trying to paint homosexuality as a mental disorder or as a mental illness it's that like well it it stems from that same brokenness because people can't People can't allow the nuance. Yeah. They don't know how to yeah. grapple with... Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Or you're Calvinist. Like, that was one of the first things we tackled in our first episode. If you believe in total depravity, then you, yeah. as soon as you came out of that womb, you were dirty and broken. And then you being transgendered is just evidence of that. Sure. And so it's just like, geez. Well, hey, then we're all in even together. Even we're, we're all in yeah. together. And we're all in need of the same yeah. Savior. Guess, and yeah.
2: if you're going to plead the shed blood of Jesus Christ at the pearly gates, that's what I'm pleading yeah. too. So I'll see you there. And
1: being straight doesn't get you to heaven. Absolutely so. not. And
2: I don't <laughs> think that God calls anyone from... Heterosexuality from homosexuality to heterosexuality. I mm-hmm. think God calls us all to purity.
1: Ooh, we're getting balls deep in the theology of gender over here. In the past ten minutes, we've bounced from notions of God as a female to the nature of the Trinity to Adam's hermaphroditic genitals to God as the first transgender surgeon to the Christian condemnation of homosexuality and a dash of Calvinism there at the end. Did it feel a little jarring? I thought it did. So, let's take a quick 15 second breather before going any deeper. You ready? Hit it. right, we're back. Almost all the beliefs we discuss in this episode have their foundation in the book of Genesis. Beliefs about how the world was created, why humanity and nature function the way they do, and ultimately, who is this mysterious God behind the heavenly curtain driving the world forward? Lots of controversy, confusion, and sadly, lots of hateful discrimination have found their justification in a misunderstanding of the first three chapters of Genesis. So, I felt it necessary to jump into the mess and help sort out at least a modicum of the confusion. First things first, almost all Hebrew scholars agree Genesis 1 is a poem that depicts God designing a world with defined boundaries between binary opposites, meaning you have light and darkness, heaven and earth, land and sea filled with birds and fish, day and night marked by the sun and the moon, and ultimately male and female created in God's image as both masculine and feminine. Quick note on God's gender, since talking about God as a woman tends to upset anyone who believes God is strictly... Our Father, who art in heaven. Where's our mother? What happened to our mom?
0: What did he do to our mom? Something happened. Somewhere in heaven there's a porch with a dead lady under it, and I want this story... Somebody's got to check the trunk of God's car for bleach and rope and fibers. Well, how can we not have a mother? At least maybe God's divorced. Maybe he has an ex-wife. God's a single dad and he's raising us alone. And we're praying like, and he's like, I'm trying, it's just me up here. Going on. Maybe maybe your life is your time. This is our weekend with dad. That's what life is. Is your weekend. And then when you die, you go to mom's house.
1: Earlier, Staley made a reference to a feminine Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit. The word is ruach, which means spirit, and is a feminine noun. However, it's important to note that the Jewish people thought of this term differently than Christians do, as the Jews had no word or concept for the Holy Trinity, it's not a biblical word, and there was no solid doctrine of the Trinity until around 300 years after Christ's death. So, when the Jewish people use the term Ruach, it is far more focused on God's creative force or energy within the world. Much like the feminine noun Sophia is wisdom personified to describe the way God created the world in the book of Proverbs. Furthermore, the first description of God's nature is actually that of a female. Genesis 1-2 says, And the Spirit of God, which is Ruach, again a feminine spirit, hovered over the waters. The word hovered in the original Hebrew is rachaf, I don't know how you say that, but it is almost exclusively used as the term for the way a female bird incubates its egg by hovering or resting over them in a nest. The same word is found in Deuteronomy 32.11, in the midst of this exact same metaphor, saying, "...like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young, so God spreads his wings to take them up." So yes, the authors of Genesis always intended for God to be understood as both feminine and masculine and everything beyond that binary. Which brings us back to God's boundaries and binary opposites rooted in the creation story of Genesis. While I don't think Adam was a hermaphrodite who transcended the gender binary as Staley suggested, it's only because I don't believe Adam was actually a real person at all, but rather a symbol for all life inspired by God. The noun Adam is also the masculine form of the word Adama, which means ground or earth. In the book of Genesis, it's often rendered to mankind, um, and Eve's name is derived from the Hebrew word to breathe, which I can't pronounce in the actual Hebrew, but it's tied to the notion of a generative life force. So Adam and Eve are simply the recipe for all human existence. We need a material body formed from matter or earth, and a life force animating us with energy. Lastly, we need companionship both with other humans and with the divine to experience true wholeness. This is what the authors of Genesis desire to communicate and not some kind of doctrine to govern our sex lives. I'm fairly convinced that not only is the story of Adam and Eve poetic fiction, but the first 11 chapters of Genesis, known as the primeval history, are completely mythological as well. Now, I use the term myth not to devalue Genesis, but simply to describe them as fictional stories that point to a broader, universal truth. Joseph Campbell and Richard Rohr, my theological men crushes, both say that a literal translation of anything tends to be the least valuable translation. I did a breakdown of the Bible in our third episode with David Greco if you want to hear more on that. Anyway, the primeval history, or Genesis 1-11, through are all mythical stories attempting to explain why God people and the world are the way that they are they're beautiful stories and they have so much to teach us but when taken literally we kind of sound crazy and our subject to some pretty legitimate mockery such as this it starts out messed up in the beginning in the book of genesis in the beginning there was adam and eve and adam and eve had two sons cain and abel and cain and abel got married to who <laughs> where did these mystery bitches come from
0: I like messing with
1: Christians, but Me too, Eddie. Me too. There are four key stories in the primeval history. The first is Adam and Eve. Second is Cain and Abel. Third is Noah and the Ark. And the last is the Tower of Babel. And I bet most of you heard these if you grew up in church. I'll give an honorable mention to the brief reference of the Nephilim in Genesis 6, who were apparently the offspring of sons of God who had sex with daughters of man. And we're essentially demigods like Maui from Milana, which is pretty cool and yet pretty insane if you take the whole Bible literally because that means you believe that there were once half-God, half-human people walking around. And if you believe that, it seems like transgender people should be relatively easy to accept because they're at least still 100% human. All of the stories in Genesis 1-11 through are so crazy and so epic and guess what? After Genesis 11 ends, there's no mention of them ever again in the rest of the Hebrew Bible. Because all of a sudden in Genesis 12, Abraham, the father of the Christian, Jewish, and Muslim religions, enters the picture and the entire genre of Genesis switches from epic mythological tales about how nature, humanity, and society were formed to a biopic with an incredibly narrow focus on one man in one secluded region of the world. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to feel that massive shift. It's like you were watching Cosmos and then someone suddenly turned on Seinfeld. Radically different, genre radically different perspectives I believe the authors of Genesis 1 through 11 want to help the reader develop a necessary lens through which to understand God's character and our purpose as his people they hope to describe a god who is concerned with our well-being who establishes healthy boundaries and then invites us to cross them only when we fully understand the reasoning behind those boundaries. In the New Testament, Jesus becomes the ultimate boundary crosser by literally transcending the divine human boundary, the law-sin boundary, and basically every cultural boundary established by religious leaders and Jewish tradition. Jesus only really makes sense if you understand the transformational arc of God's people who went from only understanding God in terms of binary opposites to a people who could understand God as embodying all that is paradoxical, mysterious, and graceful. That's what I think Staley is trying to do, and I appreciate her so much for it. That was a lot. Again. Do you need 15 more seconds of rest before we finish the episode? You do, don't you? Okay. All right. Hit it. what is it that you think makes you very patient and willing to enter into these conversations when it seems like a lot of people like that even enter into this conversation with a genuine curiosity kind of are, are met with, uh, like a little bit of outrage or yeah. you cisgendered piece of shit. And sure. It's like, Whoa. Okay. I'm not going to ask any questions cause that was, uh, yeah. intimidating as fuck.
2: I, it's the same reason that their riots at black lives matter rallies. Mm-hmm. You can't get mad at them if you know what they've been dealing with their whole life. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you are told that your mother is worth like in the case of like, um, you know, people people of color. You're told that you're worthless. You don't see proper representation of people that look like you in the media or in the entertainment industry. When your father's life is at risk for mm-hmm. a parking mm-hmm. ticket, I mean, oh, uh, yeah. you just li- there. It gets to a point where it's like, I don't care. I mean, they're calling you a snowflake. They're yeah. going you this like millennial baby and you're going enough. You have, There's a band called 21 Pilots. It's actually mm. from Columbus, Ohio. And mm. I actually babysat Tyler. Funny side note. <laughs> and Josh, the drummer, was from my Bible study at Vineyard and they were friends of mine. And I actually, used to, well, I used to watch... Tyler's little brother and kind of him
0: right. at the stop. you're responsible for Twenty One Pilots. Yeah, We're getting it. No, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. we, no, no, we no. get it. Let Finally the world know Twenty
2: One <laughs> <pilots>. please. <laughs> but there is a lyric where they say, "You don't know the half of the abuse." Yeah, and uh, that just hit me so hard when I heard that. And I, I think they're even singing it in a different context. But it's so true. This conservative Midwest. Mm. Christian, like upbringing, you know, and then that it's offended uh, when a Black Lives Rally movement or transgender people kind of bite back because yeah. I've just had it. And yeah. it's not my job to be your therapist. It is not my job to educate you on everything. It is not my job to out myself and have to be the sacrificial lamb so that right. you can do what you should have been doing for the past 20 decades. But for me, I think I got a lot of that anger out of the way because of my faith. And mm. I think that I met so much love and grace race Th- you know through my faith and my relationship with Jesus and with God um, also as well as just practically getting out of the way because I was dying my hair purple yeah. and I was an art major and I had red fishnet shirts on at Indiana Wesleyan University which is one mm-hmm. of the most conservative in Midwest schools that there is I right. mean it's intense and um, I mean they've got people that we like I mean the busts in their hall of fame are like are you serious like this person was a monster Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, and I'll say that you know so you, you know I got a lot of it out of the way by facing that I, I had been in the hot seat my entire life I had to explain to you know a board of directors at 16 years old that my fishnet was more about Spider-Man than Satan like really genuinely I was on the to, to talk about, like, docket at board of director or council member meetings uh, for my college where it was like, okay, we need to discuss the, two, the, the 2005 budget. We need to go over the, um, you know, the, the new uh, nominees for the inductee hall of fame. Oh, and there's this, there's this at the time, Adam Cook issue <laughs> because he is on the gospel worship team even though I was literally at the time, the only quote unquote male person to even show up, it was all volunteer and I'm singing my heart out for the Lord, but I had dyed my hair blood red and I wore like purple lipstick and I had ripped jeans with a skull and crossbones, um, belt buckle. And that was enough of a concern in terms of representation of the brand of this school Uh. that they didn't want me to go on any of the tours or sing at any of the events. Hmm. And, and Hmm. thankfully there was someone on the board who loved me and knew me He's not there anymore. His name was Michael Moffat. And he's a big, beautiful... Bald, I mean, he's, I, he, I think he played for a famous football team. Mm. And so he was a legend. And he's this huge man with bald, you know, big, broad shoulders yeah. and a bald head. And he stood up because he had just had enough. And he said, ladies and gentlemen of the board, I am bald because I am bald. And I cannot grow hair. But if I could grow hair and if I decided to dye a green, would I no longer be qualified to be on this board? Would all of my accolades, would all of the the acquired resume and all the works in my hand that got me to this position no longer be valid? Mm-hmm. And everyone zipped their lip, and my name was crossed off the list, and they moved on.
0: What yeah. a fucking champ. What a champ. What a, like... Yeah. And what but a, still...
2: Says she can sing. What a, what a
0: like, yeah. uh, like, let the one who was never sinned throw a stone I, moment. I, well, I was like. still
2: thrown out of the choir. I was still out. <sighs> I was told, still told I could not perform. And believe it or not, at the Martin Luther King Day celebration, my choir, when they, they were told... Five minutes before we went on, because it was televised, and representatives came and basically put me in a closet and said, You can't sing. When my choir recognized what was happening, they said, we're not singing and they're like you're on in five minutes like we're not singing and they stood up for me and it was a very tense moment and, and the choir director was held responsible and I think was like kicked out of her position I mean just all these awful political things that was chalked up as rebellion and yeah. uh, you know a like, bad attitude and and poor leadership and all this simply because they were like Staley's heart loves Jesus and you know he is here to sing his heart out you yeah. know and and the whole time I'm even hearing that I'm like I'm not a he like just you know yeah. oh it was, it was so that. abusive it was um, so so twisted just because you're, vill- you're villainized constantly, your very existence, your presence. D- and, and that's what is really what all these policies are about is mm-hmm. if you want to do that in the privacy of your home and behind a closed door, that's the only place yeah. that we're going to allow you to do that. You cannot exist in public. You cannot expose that or just
0: just stay out of sight stay out of sight yep. yeah and that's
2: really what all these policies are about is, to, is and that's all we want is to be able to th- to exist in public and thrive and be ourselves and be seen as a very real normal people that we are mm-hmm. and uh to not have you know this the stigma over us that we are um base uh deviant mm-hmm. and that we are just baby out with the bathwater. you know yeah. we're just with every vile thing this is not true yeah. Mm. Well, I good. have a question for you yeah. too. Go for it. Um, oh, and yeah. so much Sorry, the last question I it, it couldn't be answered in two sentences. Um, yeah. Maybe if I was no. like so or t- like so my Angelo. You, you know, are fine. Today. <laughs> um, do you rise. Uh, but my question for you two is uh, twofold. One, and this is a, I mean I'm very happily in my own relationship, so assume nothing. But would either of you is too straight? heteronormative, like you're heteronormative, not just heterosexual, but heteronormative. uh, Would either of you either be open to dating a trans woman? Yes or no. And if so, or not, why not?
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. I'll go, I'll, I'll lead the way because it is a, it's something I've thought about because with, uh, especially with like where we are medically and scientifically, Mm -hmm. sometimes you simply wouldn't know until somebody told you. Sure. So you might be you might be on a date with uh, an absolutely gorgeous woman having a great time who has a fully functioning
2: vagina yeah, and can yeah. even give birth to children a
0: hundred percent and then she lets you know like by the way I was born a boy and I've made this transition. Mm-hmm. Would that be like, oh phew, deal breaker? Well we you know? don't
2: say born a boy, by the way. We okay. say because it was assigned male at birth. Cool. Because mm-hmm. if they weren't a part of that decision, you know, all of us have the agency to make that call when yeah. we are of age to do so. But please go on. Yeah, would it be a okay. deal breaker, Dan? One
0: further bullet to Dan, uh, your welcome know. audience. <laughs> um, uh, I want I want to say I want to say no. I want to say I'd have the uh, I, I want to say I'd have the character to if if she was a person of character and quality and we had like great chemistry, I would like to be able to say like no you know what I'm not going to let that be a, uh, I want to keep getting to know you yeah. I want to keep I, I'd like to go out again yeah I'd like to see what happens that's part of the reason that I wanted to ask about Andrew because like yeah be the Andrew in for is him yeah like good yeah. like props to, to props to him because it doesn't sound like he had a history of like no
2: he had never been with a trans woman before he was. He was open that maybe he was bisexual, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he had never been. Which doesn't apply really, to
0: you because no, you're a woman.
2: Right? He wasn't yeah. drawn to me for that. Right. He wasn't drawn to me for my, my, my deep voice and my yeah. broad, big muscles. You know, he was attracted to me because I'm, I'm female. Right. You yeah. know, and I think that that is to your credit mm-hmm. and even further along than most other guys. And that's awesome because any guy out there who finds himself You know, attracted to this woman who happens to be transgender. Just like she may happen to be able to have kids or not, or happen to be a cancer survivor. Like we all have a story that only enriches our life all the more. You know, that's that's a really awesome response, and
1: that's great. I would probably say I don't know. It would depend on. Because there's been stuff where I've I've gone into relationships. You actually met one of the girls I dated a while ago. We went to into the yeah. woods together, and she had a crazy sexual past.
2: Mm-hmm. Her name was Poop.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and so I went into that going, well, this really bothers me, but it shouldn't bother me. So I'm going to date her, and then as we went on, and like it's super bothered me yeah. because she wasn't over. You that have to yet. be honest, with and, yourself, and it was yeah. like she still had a lot of those warning signs of yep. like this is not this past is not that past. And well said, I, yeah. I jumped into it going like, you're being judgmental and you're, you need to be Christian about it and like see past and have grace. And it's like, I don't know. I wish I would have been yeah. honest and said like I don't think I'm strong enough to handle your past and I'm definitely not strong enough, and enough to And that's
2: well it. said. I yeah. had guys who came to me and said look I think you're amazing. I like I, yeah. I dream about you. I think what you. I'm so in love with you but I just I know that I don't have the character yet to accept you and introduce you to my friends and I'm ashamed of that and I realize I need to grow but that's yeah. not fair to you and I'm not going to ask you to wait for me. And yeah. I actually respected that even more. Yeah. Um, and I am not that trans woman who thinks that every straight heteronormative guy should just throw themselves to the wolves. Yeah. Like, not at all all I want everyone to be happy I want everyone to be at peace yeah, with yeah. who they date and and really truly want to be with them I am a big believer that look if it's meant to be it's meant to be right you know you do not um th- we all have to grow we all face challenges in long-term relationships but if you're just fighting an uphill battle three years later break up yeah like. and yeah. that's
1: right. where my mind went to I was like well if we met on an app and I had no prior existing friendship with you then yeah. I had to be like I'm probably gonna have to be friends with you for a while and then see if like a year later I'm like fuck I'm in love this is I yeah can fight this shit. And, and and that's, making that's a game time, time decision yeah. would be really hard game time like, decision right now are we in are <laughs> yeah, we like oh no i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah i think oh, that's bro. i think that's why i i hope uh i hope i would be inclined to being like this is new for me i'm gonna be honest that yeah. <laughs> this is new for me uh I'm, I'm probably gonna have questions so cool and that's uh, beautiful
2: that's so legit just to even have a
0: uh some version of if the you could uh, yeah 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 this is where you have to drop a hot beat yep. this is where you uh <laughs> this is where you get to spit yeah. s- can, spit I, can, can bars. I get a beat and i'll yeah, just me, like, no, me, no, me, no no me, don't um, do yeah. things, no don't do that please
2: Now
0: we always like ending with if you could communicate uh anything about god or faith or uh your experience with anybody else who might be listening yeah what would you like to communicate to people
2: He's, he's never going away. He will pursue you endlessly and relentlessly um, in in such a way that is so beautiful and so surgical um, that you will see time and time and time and time again how he will meet you in the belly of a whale or in your darkest hour or in the most unreal of circumstances um, because he loves you. And I would say to that person that, you know, who Jesus is, is never about what you do or don't do or what you've done or what you haven't done or or where you're at or, or where you were everything about about who Jesus is 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 loving you and is knowing you and is about um bringing you into his presence so that's the one thing i want everyone to to walk away with it doesn't matter what like what you're juggling with right now um whatever your transition story is out of you know like a republican senator to you know now an atheist abortion loving you know just these these things that you hear or someone out of a drug transitioning into rehab or someone transitioning from one job to another or i've lost a child i'm mm-hmm. going through a divorce or i'm lgbtq and or i'm tra- you know i'm trans i don't i don't know how to begin to have this conversation with God. he loves you he will continue he will always come after you and he's not going anywhere he loves you Mm -hmm. you know that's that's real love is you he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you those are his own words so believe him and i say this to all those straight men out there who are listening even they're just bros of yours pals of yours Mm -hmm. it it was not women screamed as long as they wanted to give them the right to vote but it wasn't until men partnered with them said these girls have a point guys yeah, guys, listen to these women. I agree with them, and they were. It was. I mean, black people were screaming. You know, we want to be free. You know, they were, and it wasn't until other white people said, "Guys, listen to them. They're right. Yeah. We need you. I need you. My sisters need you. We're the most murdered minority group in the entire world, mm-hmm. globally speaking. The most murdered people group in the world is is trans women of color. Is transgender women, wow. and uh, especially transgender women of color. Implicitly, uh, we need you because uh, it is when you guys hear the jokes it is about caitlin jenner it is mm-hmm. when you guys hear the references to even to a cisgender woman that she looks like a man or whatever mm-hmm. just and what's wrong with that it's when you hear them joking about a guy who's slightly more effeminate you know you you need to step up because you are our first and in many cases last line of defense um to being killed and to being to being treated you mm-hmm. know really as just as second-rate subhuman um, you know citizens so I love you guys I'm so grateful for what you're doing we need you and I know maybe you guys feel awkward or silly sometimes maybe your dads or uncles or like you know your guy friends from college have become somewhat arm's length with you my dad not
1: listen to this so I'm not worried uh, but don't be and even if he did don't
2: be afraid of that you guys are doing the right thing I love you I'm so proud of you
1: Thank you. Thank you. We love you too. You're <laughs> the best thing. I love you. you. Oh. Mm. All
2: right.
1: Thanks That's for doing much, you guys. All right, we're gonna cut it short. All right, These we're all gonna are hug.